Again. Again. Let's <laughs> all. Let's all sing another song. Let's stretch these summer nights out extra long. Let's set fire to a building we don't like. And watch the glow, enjoy the orange light. Cause we all are gonna die someday alone. Cause we all are gonna die someday alone. Howdy, folks. We are live. Welcome to the Garrett Schalke podcast. I am your host, your boy, Garrett Schalke, and we are still alive. I assure you, we are not dead. This is our first episode since May, because I have been busy with other creative pursuits. And uh, But we got a great, great show for you today. Got a major guest, someone that I've been wanting to talk to for some time. You know, I've Talked to them before about being on twice, I believe, and thankfully, third time's the charm. <laughs> yep, my uh, guest today is a Traverse based comic enthusiast and longtime street fighter and admin of the one of my favorite Facebook groups, Lonnie's Long Box. And recently, they uh, launched a new collectible adventure called Things to Astonish, which is what we're going to talk about today, among our things. Folks, Let's well. Let's welcome Christopher Muiz. Chris, hey. thanks. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Sorry, uh, could have been sooner. Uh yeah, but uh, we have a really good uh, thing to talk about today. Whereas my other times was like, "Hey, I'm gonna be in Traverse City. You uh, want a podcast, bro?" Well, I've been kind of uh, kind of working on this for a while. It's just been kind of something in the back of my head, probably since I was a kid. All right, we'll uh, get into that, but uh, first, before we do, there are two essential questions I must ask you. Uh, First of all, um, how's the weather in Traverse City right now? Uh, I think it is, let's see, my car will tell me, 72. Uh, Still dealing with wildfire smoke? Uh, It's not that bad. There's a fire down by Cadillac. It was like, like in the area. Oh shit! Really? Like right now? Uh, I think it was like yesterday or a couple days ago. I got like a thingy on the Up North Live app thingy saying to get if you went by there. Okay, because I know there's a big fire up near uh, Grayling that uh, even my folks over in Alpena were getting the smoke from. Yeah, I think I got the smoke from that the other day. I remember it being really bad. I thought it was the stuff coming from Canada, but I guess it was a lot closer. Yeah, uh, it's it's let up a little bit around here in Grand Rapids. It was pretty bad about two weeks ago. I mean, it was so bad at my uh, warehouse job that uh, the south end of the warehouse, we had the bay doors open, and it just came right on in, and half the warehouse was smoky. Yeah, I, uh, I remember working at Best Buy, and it used to get freaking hot back in the warehouse. So, I, I definitely know 
what you're experiencing minus the smoke stuff. Wait, is that Best Buy even still open? I can't tell whether I pass by it. Uh, yes. I don't think it will ever die, just because everybody from, like, northern Michigan goes to it, and also Canada, because they don't have to pay, you know, as much tax on stuff down here. Oh, really? So, yeah, I think it'll stay pretty busy for a while. Well, based on your experiences I read about there, that's unfortunate. And, uh, the second question I must simply ask you before we get into the main topic. Uh, how was Jim Lee's visit to Top Comics? It was awesome. So, uh, I got there around 2 o'clock. He was going to be there around 4. Uh, so I waited around in the super hot sun for two hours and just hung out with people and be asked about comic books and whatever. And then, uh, once I eventually got in, oh, uh, he, he showed up late because his daughter, like, fell off a horse or something. <laughs> so everybody was, like, wondering about, uh, why he was, like, half hour late. But he wanted to make sure she was good before he showed up to, like, the, uh, to the signing. And, uh, but once he was there, he was, like, he even showed everybody the videos of it happening and stuff. And it was, was kind of wild. But, uh, he was super nice, super humble. Uh, I got a poster signed uh, X-Men number two that was in uh, one of the Wizard magazines, so that's super cool. Very nice. Uh, for folks who don't know, and how could you not know if you're a fan of comics, Jim Lee is legend is a uh, legend. Uh, what's that? Uh, you there? You still there? Yep, still here. <laughs> okay, I was wondering what that beeping was. All right. I'm sitting in my car in a park, and it was really loud for a while, so I had to roll them up, and then I... Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, for... Okay, to continue, for people who don't know, Jim Lee, legendary comic artist, and uh, I believe still president of DC Comics. Yeah, I know he's he's way up there. He uh, he relaunched X-Men in the 90s at Marvel. Um... And I think that's still, like, the number one best-selling comic of all time. And then uh, he jumped ship with... Um, Image. With, yeah, with uh, Liefeld and Sylvester and McFarlane. And they all jumped ship and created Image. Yep, and uh, I probably encountered his artwork before, but I formally got into his work through uh, Batman Hush. Yep, I've got a lot of people with Hush there. Yeah, great comic, and uh, unfortunately, kind of a mid-animated mid adaption. Yeah, I, I read it once, maybe close to 16 years ago, 15 years ago or whatever, but uh, I do not remember it whatsoever. <laughs> Alright. Alright, Christopher, uh... Let's get on to uh, talking about the main reason I wanted to talk to you today, because uh, you, my friend, have recently lost launched a new collectible adventure called uh, "Things to Astonish." Uh, the joys of phone interviewing. <laughs> Are you there? Sorry, my Bluetooth is going wonky. Uh, hey, can you hear me? Okay, good, good. You know, the, the joys of uh, phone interviewing. Well, I had a pair of head, 
phones like in the little case on my lap and then they fell and because the case opened and the bluetooth turned on and then i was frantically trying to get it to close and get my bluetooth turned back off Nah, that's cool uh fun behind the scenes fact here um besides besides having our stuff to do the one reason why i uh haven't podcasted since May's because uh my last podcast as fun as my last episode as fun as it was I did not know that there was uh some kind of disconnect with my uh lines here so there was like a slight buzzing sound throughout the episode that uh I had to do my best to edit out and yeah it yeah it was very disappointing and uh I felt pretty deflated there for about a month, so, uh, I'm doing... Hopefully I don't actually create any buzzing noises for this one. Oh, no, no, you see, I have upgraded this podcast since, uh, I'm always late to the party, and I've updated it by actually putting headphones into my voice recorder as I'm doing this podcast, so I can hear Ah. everything, you know... Yeah, you know, like I said, I'm always late to the party for this shit, whereas everyone else be like, really? Now you're doing it? You're like six seasons in, and now you're using that? Anyway, uh, thanks to Astonish, your latest venture. Uh, how did this uh, come about? Um, so, I guess ever since I was a kid, I wanted to own some type of a store. I remember wanting to be a video game store specifically, because I lived way up in the Lansing, and there was a little tiny video store that was on the corner by where I lived, and I rented a Super Scope and Turtles in Time, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever, and I told my mom right there and then that I was going to own a video store when I was older. But everybody knows what happened to video stores, so that didn't ever turn out to be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anyways, throughout life, I've been collecting comics and cards and action figures and all that type of stuff. Um, But most recently, I've been helping my friend John, who owns a a local gaming store up here, uh, TC War Room, out with his uh, website and doing the inventory and all the stuff behind the scenes with Shopify. And as I've been learning to use all his stuff, I kind of figured I might as well give it a shot, you know, with my own stuff because I'm starting to drown in my own collectibles. And uh, I know other people that do this and they have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, I thought it'd be cool to get a lot of um, hard to find things from like the 90s and stuff into my friend's hands or you know, local people from going to shows and traveling around and doing all the hunting and collecting for them. Hmm. Yeah, uh, can you describe what the collectible scene in Traverse City is? Um, I don't really think there is much. Really? <laughs> um, uh, there had, there's no, like, toy stores up here, really, or any, like, retro toy stores, which is kind of why I wanted to do something, because it's a niche that's not being filled right now, and I hope nobody steals my idea in the time that uh, I am able to get a physical location all the way down the road. Um... But as far as collectors go, I just know me and a couple friends that uh, go store to store looking for action figures and Funko Pops, that type of stuff. But all right, and and this is just you. Okay, sorry. Um, and this is a uh, this is just you so far, one man venture. Just me, just me with my own personal collection, giving it a shot, seeing if I'm able to 
turn enough profit to continue paying my Shopify fee and being able to buy and trade collections. Okay, and uh, where did the name name Things to Astonish come from? Um, so I never really had too much experience with Golden Age comics until my friend John, who I spoke about earlier, uh, came to me one day because his, his father-in-law had passed away and his mother-in-law had this big box of comics and was like, hey, I need you to take these goodwill. And John was like, hold up. I know Chris is a huge comic book nerd. I'll have him take a look at these. So I looked at them. I had no idea what I was looking at other than I recognized some of the covers and that they were the reason why the Comics Code Authority was created. <laughs> and so once uh, I, I started looking them up and the, the values of them were absolutely insane. The stories are really cool and wonky and insane. And uh, I just really love that whole aesthetic of like the golden age horror and golden age like sci-fi. Um, and I'm kind of putting an emphasis on the things portion of the store uh, because I want it to be like the things that shaped me as a person growing up. So like I'm going to curate the movies and the music and the toys to be the things that I collected and I listened to uh, or I watched. Um, that's going to be what I'm going to try to focus on for the most part, you know, the different characters that I'm into. Um, and then eventually I would like to create these like type of aliens or monsters or stuff uh, that would be like my astonished things, uh, my different like, characters that I'll have designed by friends that draw comics. Oh, your very own yes, toy line. Yeah, so I'm going to see if I can get some friends to uh, help me out and I'll throw some cash and make me some monsters. Probably will love that. <laughs> All right, so uh, you actually did mention some of them so far. You know, co comic books, collectible figures. I believe you even post about having vinyl. Yeah, I've got a ton of vinyl on there. Um, I'm just kind of going through the stuff I haven't listened to in a while. Another portion of why I'm doing this is I was actually kind of inspired by uh, Brett from Street Fight. Because uh, he's got his relatively unknown uh, podcast and store that he runs. Which you appeared on, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I was on there. I think that was like one of the earlier episodes, actually. We talked about comics and kind of the reselling aspect of stuff. Um, but I just, I'm at the point in life where there's no reason for me to start hoarding or keep hoarding stuff. I should kind of let go of it and let somebody else enjoy it. So I want to just hold stuff till I'm done with it and then try to sell it and get it in the hands of somebody else that wants to enjoy it more than I am. Alright, and, uh... Alright, so we talked about the type of items you are collecting so far. Um, what is your... Do you have any standards or criteria when it comes to these items? Like, the condition they're in, how old they are, anything like that? Uh -oh. I guess really the only condition is if it's something I would want to purchase and put on my shelf, so I'm not going to have like any busted loose action figures or anything like that. Um, the loose action figures I do have, I'm going to try to have them all cleaned, and I've got these little fancy bags and these cardboard hangers that um, I had a buddy design, my buddy Jeff Manley designed the original logo, and then Brian Marks from the Street Fight Group kind of helped me uh, blow it up a little bit, and he added some... Uh, stuff in the background, but uh, 
Um, yeah, I'm excited to use those. So I kind of want to try to get a lot more loose action figures because they look really cool on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mostly the character, like I said a little bit ago, the characters and the stuff that I was into and kind of shaped me into what I'm collecting and my sense of humor and taste for music and all that type of stuff, I guess. Yeah, uh, at at the moment of this recording, uh, what would you say is some of your most knowable things that you've collected? Uh, so before the right before the pandemic happened, I had a little bit of extra money, and I started to get into collecting a lot of the symbiote uh, first appearances for Spider Man. So you know, I've got the classic first appearance of Venom, first appearance of Eddie Brock. Um, I'm trying to think of anything like Holy Grail-ish. I've got some Funko Pops that are worth a couple hundred bucks that I've been holding on to for a while. Like, one of them is a glow-in-the-dark creature from the Black Lagoon that I really like. Oh, nice. It just looks really cool because the, the box itself has, like, slime running down it that glows in the dark also when you shine black light on it. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of anything else that I have that's... Uh, uh, what what would you say is the oldest item that you have collected? I've got some super old comics. Like I've got really early Spider-Man issues that I've managed to snag. Like I think I have like a, the first appearance of the Scorpion. It's in super rough shape, but I know it's a super cool issue to have, and it looks awesome and being all beat up and stuff. So keeping it around in my Spider-Man collection, I'll try to never let go of. Actually, uh, that brings up a good point that I wanted to ask here, too. Uh, th- throughout, I think you've, uh, talked about, uh, talked about, I meant post about it on your, uh, Facebook page and Lonnie's Longbox, but, uh, you, you know how to restore comics, correct? Yeah, I've dabbled in it a little bit. Um, I've got ADHD, so that was something I was hyper-focused on for, for a little bit, and, uh, I was able to clean some, and I straightened out some pages with uh, heat press, um, but I never really went hog wild or got super big into it. It might be something I try to get more invested into with running this, this store now, so I can take some comics that are dirty or crumpled somewhat and try to restore them into a better condition, because uh, that's a good way that people are able to... Uh, make some money off comics because you can buy comics that were actually graded at a lower grade and if it's something that's fixable as long as there's not like any physical damage or like color rips in like the corner or anything um you can usually flatten them out and clean them up and get a better grade on them really so uh so so it's technically if you restore an old comic you could sell for higher than if it was in its original Hager condition Correct, yep. Wow, that's actually a very interesting, because uh, back when I was trying to sell my old comics, you know, back in the good old days for me, yeah, uh, I was always told, you know, by every comic book seller that, you know, it's not in this good condition, you know, it shouldn't have this, it shouldn't have that. So whenever I, So whenever I saw you posting about it, now, that's something I've always wondered, like, okay, they honestly don't accept, you know, stuff that's torn or faded, but do it restore count at all? Yeah, the, uh, 
you just like those t-shirt presses that people use those like heat presses um you just heat them up i'm not sure the exact temperature right now but uh but um you heat it up you put it between a couple pieces of cardboard and mm-hmm. you just let it sit for a while and uh just the heat flattens out the paper and gets rid of any wrinkles or creases and they usually upset condition a decent amount Oh wow, that's oh that's very interesting. Yeah, there's nice. a super in-depth guide that I found that I'll send you when I get home, and like you can post it in the comment or in, you know in the description or whatever if you want. But the guy he even like talked about making these like um, hydration chambers <laughs> or humidity chambers or something like that to put the comics in where it's like like in a big like Rubbermaid tub on top of like a little uh, dish rack with water underneath it so the water can help bring the pages back to life before you try to um, flatten them out otherwise you might crack them really yeah there's all kinds of stuff that goes into this it's, it's kind of wild oh so it's a it can be a real DIY thing you don't have to you don't have to purchase yeah. you know hundreds of dollars in equipment to do this kind of thing yeah, I, I just had, like, cotton balls and magic erasers and that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, do you, uh, I gotta say, do you have a criteria on that in regards to condition of something you try to restore? Um, when I was dabbling in it, I wanted to get something that was really terrible so I could at least see the improvement that I made, um... I wasn't trying to do anything to where I could make money off of it, and I don't think I would want to yet. Um, just because I am not confident <laughs> enough in myself yet to do it, I guess. Uh, but I have a giant-sized man thing on my wall that I'm eyeballing constantly that I'm thinking about uh, going through the heat press. Okay, so uh, you wouldn't have the courage to say... Try to restore that Spider-Man comic that featured the first appearance of Scorpion? Nope, I will not touch that. (laughs) (laughs) I do not like burning money. I never know, man. Someday you may just get the courage, like, yeah, I could do this. Yeah, I mean, with everything I've got on my plate right now, if I were to do that at this point, I would probably try to pay somebody to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. With getting older, I'm realizing how finite my time is, and if there's stuff that I can have people that are better at it do it for me I'll try to let them do it if I can use my time you know in a a better way I guess hey man I do the same thing with uh, my writing you know I write and I commission someone to do the art for the covers I got Zach Elmblad my editor to uh, put it all together you know it's a good thing fun time yeah, I, uh, I, I've dabbled in making comics, uh, let's see, that's probably over a decade ago. I haven't really done anything with it in a while. I've kind of taken notes on stuff, but I got sidetracked with this, and I think I want to use my creativity from writing comics to make the store kind of a character in itself. All right. Think, yeah, that's what I'm kind of excited to do, because there's a ton of reselling stores and they're all the same, essentially. You know, there's not, like, a certain aesthetic to some of them. Like, um, 
as far as like comic book stores go, like Vault of Midnight, they do a really good job of standing out and having their own aesthetic. Um, they're down in like Detroit and Ann Arbor and Grand Rapids. Yep, I've been to it numerous times throughout my time here. Yeah, that's probably like my, one of my favorite uh, um, stores to go to for comics. And then there's a store down near the Dakia uh, store down south that I discovered. It's called Time Blaster Toys. That store is incredible. He's got a really cool aesthetic going because it's all like the 80s neon colors and he's got the old video store floor. And he kind of like validated the whole idea that I had. Uh, by starting online, and then once that's able to sustain covering the cost of rent and looking to getting a physical location, um, but I think i got to get a lot better at my social media presence because his is astounding. Yeah, so uh, what is the current state of uh, Things to Astonish? Um, I'm ending a ton of stuff, kind of getting the bones laid out for the store, um, I will be looking into, like, taking in trades, hopefully soon, of stuff, you know, people want to get rid of, like, if you've got action figures and I've got Nintendo powers you want, I'll, you know, gladly trade for those. Um, yeah, just a lot of that type of stuff, the, the back end, getting my, uh, merchandise type stuff figured out with what I want to do, getting my whole personality, I guess, down for the store with all my logos and branding and that's kind of the stuff I'm kind of working on that I should have done before I launched the store but Shopify wanted to start charging me so I figured I'd try to make the money off the stuff I had already. Alright, and uh, what has the reception been so far for uh, Things to Astonish? Any uh, people, Anything people, local? Uh, yeah, I have it uh, set up for like delivery since I don't have a physical location. So there's been some people in Traverse City that I've, you know, met up with them at a public place like the Books A Million or, you know, drop it off at the mailbox or whatever. Um, I'm excited because next week at the gaming store, they're hosting a their first swap meet. It's called the Geek Trader Swap Meet, and I'll be posted up there in my 10 by 10 booth, selling all my VHS and action figures and comics and I'll try to have as much stuff that I have on my site out there, so you can either just see what I have and then buy it later, or browse the store right away, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, very nice. And yeah, uh, so far your web presence is, uh, you have an official website, and uh, you're on Facebook, and you have an email address. Uh, yeah. My, uh, the website is, uh, things to astonish.com and then on facebook i'm just things to astonish and my email is chris at things to astonish.com all right folks uh check that out because i'm definitely keeping an eye out on it now uh now i guess let's get into the second part of this uh podcast yeah uh you want to do some comic book talk sure yeah dude uh that's actually how uh I think you and I really connected on Facebook. First of all, we uh, met through uh, the Street Fighters group, which was the group for uh, a little-known podcast called Street Fight Radio. Rest in peace. I was about to send the RFP pulling out. <sighs> yeah, what a shame that that ended. Like, goddamn. <laughs> uh-huh. But we won't get into that, because it's kind of a sad story. But, uh, 
but yeah, that's how, but you also run the Lonnie's Long Box group, which is a comic book offshoot of Street Fighters. Yeah, I figured there was a, a bunch of us in the, the main group that were just posting comic book memes and stuff, and we were probably annoying the, the normies that weren't into comic books, so <laughs> <laughs> figured uh, we'd make a, a group for all our comic talk. Yeah, uh, for all the normies out there, uh, can you explain what Alani is? Oh, man. Um, where do you where do you even begin? Besides Brett and Brian being like the iconic Lonnie's, God, this is a big yeah. throw. This is a big throwback. I always thought of Red Green. Remember from the Red Green show? Yeah, I think he could be like an elder Lonnie, like a proto Lonnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, could, I could definitely see that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so that's how uh, we really connected because I uh, joined that group, and I'm also a huge comic fan, superhero fan. Hell, I write my own superhero series, Godin. And, uh, yeah, so I must ask, Chris, uh, how did you get into comics? Oh, so this was way back when I was a wee lad down in Cadillac. Um, I started watching the Fox animated series, like a lot of people did. Um, that's how I got into Spider-Man, that's how I got into X-Men. And then, uh, down the road from us there was a liquor store um, that also sold X-Men cards and my friends and I tried to figure out like how we were going to constantly fund buying X-Men cards so we would go around and find whatever like, beer bottles and pop cans that we could find on the Clam River and uh, go cash them in and uh, once I was able to amass a collection of cards I would read the character bios on the back try to figure who they were and then connect them to other characters and um oops one second and then I guess I, I knew more lore before I actually read the comics if that makes sense mm -hmm. it does so yeah that's kind of how I got into it um there used to be a place called um what was it the newsstand down in Cadillac uh they used to have like, every magazine I was at at the time, it was a bookstore, I believe. They also had, like, a huge, massive rack of comic books in the back of the store. That's where I also used to buy, like, Pokemon cards and Magic cards. 
Um, but when I went in there with a buddy, I got my first comic, and it was during the Onslaught Saga, which was a wild time to try to get into comic books, especially as like a 10, 11-year-old kid, because the, those who did read it, it was a point where like Magneto and Charles Xavier combined into this huge, massive entity type thing. And Wolverine didn't have a nose because he went feral after Magneto ripped out his adamantium from his bones. Oh, yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was just a wild time to try to get into comics. The art was really cool, though, because it was starting to get towards, like, the, the Joe Manny era, era, where stuff was kind of getting more of, like, the anime look, where it was more cartoonish looking. And I think that's what kind of, like, sucked me in, was, like, all the bright colors and stuff on that cover, seeing Hulk smash and... Onslaught in the face and stuff. Oh yeah, what didn't the Onslaught saga lead into the Age of Heroes thing? Where yeah, like, so, where like okay. uh, where like the Marvel characters were put into like an alternate universe, and it had that art by that one dude that just gave them massive muscles and shit. Yeah, that was uh, Rob Liefeld. Yeah, the 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 infamous image of a. Uh, Captain America standing sideways, just this huge barrel chest. Yeah, the uh, the heroes reborn or the heroes whatever era. Also yeah, heroes reborn. Yeah, the uh, well, all the Avengers were sucked away in some different universe. Uh, they brought my favorite comic book series uh, to the stage, and that was the Thunderbolts, and that had. The best, like, surprise at the end, but it's been spoiled so long, so I'll just kind of go tell uh, you what happens. Oh, jeez. You know, I, sh- I should have said this at the beginning of the podcast. I should have remembered, but spoiler alert for literally everything. Comics, movies, we're all going to talk about it. Okay. So, the Thunderbolts were this group of, like no-name superheroes that just showed up to try to take the place of the Avengers, like, after the Avengers had gone. Yeah, they're like the Marvel equivalent to Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. But you don't find that out until the big reveal at the end, when you find out that it's the, uh, like, a bunch of supervillains that are in disguise posing as superheroes. Yeah, they also did that with, uh, Dark Avengers for, you know, last decade. Yeah, that was, uh, they actually used some of the characters from the Thunderbolts after Warren Ellis' run, I believe. Like, I think, uh, Spider-Man was, uh, Venom, or no, Venom was Spider-Man, uh... Dokken was Wolverine. Yeah, Norman Osborn was the Iron Patriot, so he was the Iron Man trope. Bullseye was Hawkeye. Yeah, it, it was actually a pretty good time to get into comics, I actually... That was around the time I really got into comics because I had moved to Traverse City, and that's where I found Top of the Ninth. Uh, that was on Eighth Street back when I got into it. But uh, it was just a little hole in the wall store with cigarette smoke coating the, the ceilings from the previous owner. And Eighth uh, Street, that's near the library, correct? Eighth uh, Street is yeah, oh. I guess yeah, it does run by the library. Um, okay, because yeah. I remember. Three locations, because I, because I still to this day have much love for Traverse City. I visit frequently. Uh, yeah, I remember one near Garfield. That was the one I first went to. 
then there's then they relocate over near the library, and now they're uh, kind of located near where the Cherry Center is. Yeah, so they were when I first got into them and I, I started working there was uh, right on Eighth Street. It was right next to a barbecue place. And oh yeah, Traverse's kept best kept secrets. That's no yes. longer there. <laughs> That, one, that place was so good, but it was right next to that, and then Mike, who owned the comic shop, he never, you know, we didn't want to ever get paid, we just wanted to get the comic books put away so we could start reading them, you know, get his barbecue <laughs> for pushing away the comics, that was always fun, um, but, uh, yeah, from there, it moved down the road to, like, a place that was, like, a, I think it was, like, a garage or a mechanic or something, but then, you know, we managed to turn it into, like, a comic book store. Um, and he was there for a while, and then right around the COVID lockdowns, he moved to closer to over by, like, the airport, into a much bigger location. Yep, I've been to that one twice so far. Yeah, it's, I love that place. I'm there every week, and I went there this week, actually. I've got there, I went there a little bit to pick up my comments. Yep, uh, as for me, uh, my... My, how I got into comics is very similar to you, actually. Of course, it was through the Fox shows, you know, X-Men, Spider-Man, and of course, Batman the Animated Series, The Goat. Oh, yeah, that, that was really good, too. Yeah, and uh, I don't. I, I was uh, too young. Honestly, I was still a baby back when the first Batman movie came out, but I do believe that I saw Batman Returns in theaters. Which is surprising now, considering the violent and sexual content in that one. So great film. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing those as a kid, but I don't know if I saw them in a the theater. I remember my mom and dad like watching them, so that's how I got away with watching them. Yeah, uh, we had like the to- the McDonald's toys and stickers and shit. But uh, yeah. as for com, yeah, as for comics itself, I remember I, two- I got into them two ways. Uh, one, my uh, Folks got me this uh, big, like, comics collector starter kit from either, I think, KB Toys or Kmart, which were based in the Alpena Mall at the time. And it was just a box that was painted up like a treasure chest. And yeah, it's just filled with a variety of comics from Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse. You name it. You name it, it was all there. Just all random issues. Like... The, the only two that I think I really remember from that, though, was uh, I had the first issue of Marvel's Toxic Avenger comic. And, and uh, God, I cannot remember the fucking name of this series, but, like, it's one of those shitty promotional Marvel series where, like, they made a football player into a superhero. Oh, Characters like that that they had in the 90s. There was him, and then I also remember there was like the six motorcycle guys that turned into one motorcycle guy when they find it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I remember one more. Yeah. Yeah. X X Men number one, where they revived the series with uh, Jim Lee doing the art. Yep. That's, yep. that's yep. the, uh, the best selling comic of all time, and it hasn't been dethroned. Yep. N- didn't even realize it when I got it back then. I just thought the art was really cool. And the thing is, it, it probably won't ever get dethroned because I don't think comics will ever be as popular as they were in the 90s. It, 
because everybody got on the speculation hype train. Yep, and the comic book crash. Yep, and uh, so yeah, I don't think it'll ever get that big, but I think, I don't know <laughs> what will happen with comics. I want them to be around, and I want comic book stores to be around, just because they're so fun, and you can see so many cool stories and characters there, and that was one of my favorite things when I worked at the comic shop, was having kids come in and having them grab their favorite comics and, you know, finding characters for the first time. I've got uh, three nephews that uh, I'm trying to get into comics, and they're like 8, 11, and 13. And so far, they've been getting into them, so that's been working. They, uh, they don't know Peter Parker as Spider-Man. They only know Miles as Spider-Man, which is kind of cool, I guess. Oh, yeah. Probably... They're probably big fans of the Cross the Spider Verse films, right? Yep, for sure. That's how they definitely got into it. And then now, anytime that they see Miles, they want to read him. They want his action figures. They, they just love the character. Yeah, he's good. He's a great character. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So the second the second part of how I got into comics, and this will shock you like it does everyone else, the Archie Sonic the Hedgehog comic, because I was a. Oh, yeah. I was a huge Sonic fan, still am, and that's how I got into it, and I, well, I took breaks here and there, but I read that thing up until they fi finally canceled it due to uh, fucking Ken Penders. Yeah, my, uh, my buddy Brad, I remember him saying that he was obsessed with the Sonic comics, and that was the one thing that he always read as a kid, but the, the Archie uh, brand, they have some of the, like, the largest readership of uh, comic book, young comic book readers. So people don't really realize how popular Archie actually is, and I didn't realize that until I like, had to do a research paper when I returned to college. And I was, I read some paper uh, this doctor did about her interviewing like kids in the '60s or '70s, whatever, uh, that were obsessed with Archie. And it was really interesting seeing how kids related to those characters, like kids relate to Batman now, and how they feel like they have some type of like ownership over the stories like after they've read them and they, they memorize them and then they can share those stories and it, it was a super cool thing that I read. I, I love the whole like the research side of comic books too and the science side and how people can develop from reading them and that type of stuff too, I guess. Yep. And uh, I guess the final part of, well, I guess my current comic journey, like I said, I read the side comic on and off, but what really got me back into comics, well, as I still am today, was, uh, I guess say, when Batman supposedly died and Dick Grayson took over again. Which became the Bat Batman Rest in Peace, Batman Reborn sagas. And yeah, I, I, I worked at the, uh, the shop when that happened. I think, wasn't that when you just got, like, shot back in time or something yep. like that and actually died? <laughs> yep, uh, yeah, after Final Crisis. Yeah, so so for some reason that really interested me. I got into it again. I mean, there, were, there was a caveman Batman, there was a pirate Batman, like, of course yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the search for Bruce Wayne storyline, where he just yeah. kept being put back through time, and somehow Darkseid made him into, like, a multiversal bomb. Or comic books. During, comic books. During that time, though, there were some of the best Batman stories being created. Like, there was uh, Grant Morrison's uh, Batman Incorporated that came out. Yep, and his and, Batman Robin book. Yep, yeah, Batman and Robin. Yep. 
Donovan, that was insanely good. Yep, love that run. Like, uh, yeah. Yep. Actually, uh, let's get into that. Um, what are your uh, current favorite series or runs? I mean, I can already think off the bat that I know you love Venom and uh, Immortal Hulk. Yeah, so I, I love Immortal Hulk. Uh, that wrapped up by Al Ewing. And then I thought I was going to love his run on Venom, but I don't. <laughs> I, I, I love the character, but I, 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 don't, I don't like Al Ewing's Venom. Sorry, Al, if you ever hear this. Um, <laughs> series that I'm currently reading, you know, ongoing are uh, Savage Dragon you know, still love still love that uh, and I'm always surprised by it Eric Larson's really good at taking chances even if I even if I don't like it, I can't help but admire it oh, so couple things now that I look at my comicology account the series that I'm most excited about that's going to be coming up is a Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers. I think that's going to be insanely good. I've never gotten into Transformers comics. I've been a Transformers fan, though, since I was a kid. But they've never been, like, accessible to me. But Robert Kirkman recently brought the license for that and G.I. Joe over to Image Comics. And he relaunched it through this uh, comic called Void Rivals. Mm-hmm. And it's just these, like, two aliens that are fighting out in outer space. And uh, I don't want to spoil because it it's a super cool introduction to the Transformers. But, uh, but yeah, it just leads into the Transformers. And now Dan Warren Johnson's drawing, I think, writing also the book. And I think it comes out in October. And then there's going to be a G.I. Joe book. And I've never read a G.I. Joe comic before. And I'm excited for that. I think they're calling it, like, the Energon Universe or something like that. Yeah, that's all through IDW, right? Nope, it'll be through Image, because they have the licensing now. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, so, like, Robert Kirkman is, like, heading Transformers and um, G.I. Joe. And I'm a huge fan of this. I love Invincible. Like, that comic is probably one of the best comic series in everything that's been created up until now. Oh, yeah, that's... that's here's kind of my reading habits because I mostly use comicology now, too, is that I'll have series that I still keep up with, like Savage Dragon, keep up with IDW Sonic. My my big favorite, of course, been for years, IDW TMNT. And, uh, and there's some series where, like, I didn't get into it originally, and they're finished. 
like Invincible I've been going through. Uh, that, of course, just old, old-timey storylines. Like, uh, like we talked about the Onslaught saga a few minutes ago. I, that's one, th one of the sagas I plan on collecting soon. So, the, those are kind of my habits. Extremely accessible with uh, apps like the Marvel Unlimited app, where you can just pay monthly fee and then have access to, like, everything up until whatever six-month current or something like that. So you can read a ton of good old stuff that way. Uh, actually, actually, let, let me just ask that, since let's just get it out of the way. Uh, you're a Marvel fanboy, correct? Yes, I am. Well, I'm a DC fanboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I there was there's certain DC characters that I like, and like I really like Swamp Thing. I really like Animal Man. They're like the weird, not Batman, not Superman <laughs> type characters. Um, I don't know. I I really like Jeff Johns. Uh, Green Lantern run, because that was big while I was working at the comic shop. Um, I got into some of the New 52 stuff. Oh, man, I love the New 52. Some of it got a little too out of hand for me, but, like, the, the Swamp Thing and the Animal Man crossover, that was very, 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 very good. Um, but then, like, they had people like Ethan Van Skyver <laughs> drawing for them, and he kind of, like, soured the company for me, I guess. I know I shouldn't let that happen, but because he's drawn such iconic characters for such iconic series, it's kind of hard, <laughs> I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I I really love the new Fifty Two, but but if I had to compare it, it's kind of like the Snyderverse, which recently wrapped up. You know, I like that too, but if you really looked at at it from like a storyline point and even, like, bullshit from behind the scenes. It's kind of one of those things, in my opinion, where it's like, yeah, I like this, but for the... This needs to end. <laughs> you know, for the better of the franchise, it needs to go into a way different direction. For the longest time at the comic shop in the bathroom, they had their uh, Draw the Line at 299 poster still up. It was, it was funny seeing it back there. <laughs> that, was, that was the big thing that DC was pushing, keeping their comics at 299. Yeah, that didn't last long. Yeah, now they're up to like five bucks like everybody else, I think. <sighs> yeah, DC, uh, they're really good with uh, making making promises they do not keep. Like that and DCU rebranding that lasted like one second. Yeah, it seems like yeah, they're constantly always rebranding, so it's hard to, to jump on. Like you don't know what's a good point because they're just going to have another crisis. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one thing as a DC fanboy, I will give Marvel. They are a tad bit more consistent. Yeah, Marvel's got their own flaws. They have a bunch of reboots and relaunches because everybody loves number one issues and hundreds of Yeah, that, that's, and... I was going to bring that up. That has always annoyed me about Marvel. Because when I used to like really go into comic shops here, including Vault at Midnight, it almost seemed like every time I go in there, there was some new number one of a major character. I was like, wait, did they just do a number one for this? What the hell? Yeah, one, one thing that is nice, though, is they've added like, the legacy numbering, so you can see throughout the chronological order of this character where it actually falls in 
Marvel sense. It'll be like Spider-Man number five, but it'll say like LG 712 underneath it or something. Yeah, didn't they do that recently with Spider-Man? Like, start it over again? Uh, By numbering? They've got a couple. They've got Amazing Spider-Man going, and they've got uh, Spider-Man going by Dan Slott. Yeah, was this before or after they killed off Kamala Khan, I guess? Uh, that happened, well, the, are you talking about, like, the legacy numbering, or? Uh, jeez. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the legacy numbering thing's been going on for a while now, but, uh, they had the two Spider-Man issues going for a while. Uh, they probably killed her off so they can turn her into a mutant before she has her new movie. Yeah, the Marvels movie. Yeah. <sighs> comic books, you, you know, there's a lot of things I love, a lot of things are just, <sighs> well, like, the, the thing that I've grown to understand as an adult comic fan is not everything is made for me. There's people that do like these characters, they do like the stories, these companies spend millions of dollars on market research, so there's no reason they would be dumping billions of dollars into these movies and TV shows that people just didn't like them. I mean, maybe that happens, but it, I mean, it doesn't seem like a smart thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but like, yeah, there's always going to be a new version of the Ninja Turtles for some kid. That, Which is coming up, by the way. TMNT, Mutant Mayhem. I'm, I'm fucking excited for that. I'm oh, same so here. It looks great. And I'm going to surprise my nephews. I'm going to take them to go see it. And this is going to be their first Ninja Turtles movie, I think, and their first, real first, like, experience with them, I think. They may have seen a couple of the older cartoons from, like, when I was on Nickelodeon, but I don't think they have any real big experience, so I'm excited for that. My niece, uh, she's going to love Ninja Turtles, I think, because I took her to go see Mario, and she loves that, so. Yeah, uh, two, two things about that movie so far that I've kind of noted from watching the um, trailers. Uh, one, it kind of act more like preteens than teenagers, at least in my opinion, which is still good. I am all for that. I'm oh, same here. To like, discover the world for the first time and see how stuff works. And yeah, I like yeah. how Donatello's like a little lanky like string bean, and they all have different body sizes, and they're not all the same like cookie cutter turtle with a different colored bandana. Oh yeah, that that trend's been going on for some time, which is good. You know, give them different aspects, you know, aesthetically. In Rise, they made them straight up different species, which is cool. Yeah, I, uh, so I was on Facebook and I actually saw somebody in like one of the Ninja Turtle groups. They had one of the new turtles that just came out from Mutant Mayhem. And then all they did was take a, uh, like a Gundam model marker. <laughs> they drew, like, highlighted around the muscles to make them look like comic book characters. So I had to go do it. So I had a Gundam marker and a Ninja Turtle, and I'm going to be trying that out tonight. Hmm. Yeah, uh, okay, you, you will probably disagree with me here, that's completely fine, but, uh, my one criticism so far of Mutant Mayhem, ah, oh, man, Donnie's voice, so I think it's way too high. I love it. <laughs> I, I love everything about it, especially because he sounds like my nephews. I think, <laughs> okay. I, think I think that's the reason why I like it, and I think that's why they're going to be drawn to it. 
Yeah, and also too, this has been a trend with Donatello for some time. I think it was actually started with the Bay, the Bay Ninja, Michael Bay Ninja Turtles. I don't know. I just personally am annoyed they give him glasses, you know, over his mask. Like the, he's supposed to be the. True. I I know. Oh, I know. And like, I'm not getting hyped up over it, but this is kind of one of those opinions I'm recognizing where I realize I'm kind of turning into an old head. There's just something about this iteration that I just love everything about it, just from the character designs to the voice actors. Oh, I I love I love all the different characters in there. It's not just like, Shredder and the Foot Clan, it's... Like, Bebop's mom tattoo being upside down on his chest, so it says wow. Like, I thought that was hilarious. Superfly, he's got one arm bigger than the other, because he's, like, in mutation, I think. Yeah, dude, they just have all the all the other characters that you kind of wish they would put into other TMNT films. Not yeah. just, just, not just, you know, the Shredder. You know, I love, just, I love the guy, but... Let's bring in some of the other baddies. In. I just hope this movie has as much success as the Mario movie did, or close to it, so that way Nickelodeon will continue to pop out Ninja Turtle stuff, because there's just something about the IP that I love, just because I've grown up with it all throughout my life. I know they're not the, the gritty comic book characters that they started out as, but... Uh, yeah. I mean, there's just something cool about them that a lot of people can relate to. Oh yeah, I love the IDW run. I'm a big fan of Sophia Campbell's her she's currently writing it. No, I really I, like uh, it. My buddy Sean, he lettered that comic. Oh he did. Yeah, Sean Lee. Oh nice. Yeah, he uh he lettered my comic, The Naturals, that I did with his brother Ryan Lee. Okay, so uh We've just geeked out about comic books here, so there's one other thing I must ask you, in your humble opinion, Christopher. Uh, superhero fatigue. I'm sure you've heard the term. Yeah, but I mean... Does it exist? It all depends on how much you choose to consume yourself, because there's people that choose not to watch everything if they're not fatigued by it like my wife gets excited anytime there's something new because she doesn't try to watch them all in order so like she'll randomly be like hey we should watch Scarlet Witch because we haven't watched that yet or you know go back and watch WandaVision but uh I don't know there's there'll always be people complaining about stuff saying that there's too much and then as soon as it's gone they'll complain that there's not enough of it nobody will ever be happy I admit, I, as a DC fanboy, I have experienced it a little bit, but that's just mostly due to the quality of the Snyderverse films, which yeah, I, I'm a fan, I, but even I have to admit that uh, they're, they're kind of mid to, to shitty. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a James Gunn fan, so I'm excited to see what he pulls off. You could tell in The Last Guardians that it was more of a, a James Gunn movie than it was a Marvel movie which was really cool so I'd like to see what he's able to bring with that to the uh, to DC stuff ah uh, you're a gun chad whereas I am a Snyder chad <laughs> yeah I, 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 I like that a lot uh, I don't like Snyder <laughs> uh, I, I, I love that whole thing it's hilarious these fuck yeah. these fucking nerds like Jesus Christ but uh yeah, I, 
I don't think I even finished the Snyder Cut. I think I tried watching it and I fell asleep and then I just didn't care anymore. Yeah, have you seen The Flash? Uh, yes, and I actually really did like that. Oh, same here. Uh, I have it as number one on my list of Snyderverse films. Yeah, I, I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. I went in with zero expectations. I tried to avoid everything about it. I just knew it was going to be, you know, the jumping off point. So I figured, hey, I might as well give it a shot. Yeah, but then again, I, I acknowledge that my tastes in films can be kind of different than others. I mean, I mean, I I post them every time a new, I post the the revamp list every time a new movie comes out. But I mean, come on, I have Flash as number one and Batman v Superman as number two. So you know, take that as you will. I'm <laughs> extremely excited to see what they manage to pull off with the Swamp Thing stuff. Oh yeah, uh, hopefully it'll be better than the series which they canceled after like what. Five episodes or some shit? Well, the, the thing is, it got canceled before it even aired, and that was due to, like, tax stuff, I believe. Yeah, something with, like, uh, some kind of location falling out. Yeah, so it, it wasn't necessarily because it was a bad series. It was because of the paper pusher shit in the back end. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just, like I said, I think Marvel and Disney overall have their shit together a lot more than DC and Warner does, obviously. But, uh, I just want a new Gremlins movie from Warner Brothers. That's all they need to give us. Actually, I do remember uh, my favorite review of yours for a movie was Eternals. I think you said that you've heard people snoring in that when you saw oh, it. Yeah, I, I called it Snore Turtles. <laughs> I have I have yet to see that film. Is it is it that bad? It, I mean, there's people like Joe in our group that love it and they think that it's one of the best Marvel movies. I'm not gonna yuck on people's yum, but it was just kind of slow for me. And in a world where, or in a universe where all this other cool stuff is happening, it just kind of seemed kind of more toned down and lackluster as far as like the cool colors and explosions. And, I don't know. It was more like an art house film. <laughs> an art house film that puts you to sleep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Joe Bots. He's awesome. Yeah. All right. God, there's one more thing I wanted to say. Ah, uh, shoot, I'm forgetting it. Well, let's get into the final thing here I wanted to ask you. Okay, not totally not comic related, but, uh, well, somewhat. Same format. Yeah, besides comics, we've also met, you and I met through our love of Street Fight Radio and related podcasts. Uh, you got any current favorites that you're listening to or ones that you go back to frequently? Uh, yeah, the one that I listen to every single um, week is the uh, No Accounting for Taste podcast. And I think that's kind of where I've learned to try to stop yucking on people's yum. Because uh, every week they try to find a topic that a lot of people hate, and they try to find what's good about it, and why people enjoy it, to try to, like, see, you know, why it's still around and whatnot. They even did an episode on New Metal, which was really good. They oh, did yeah. an episode on, like, Dungeons and Dragons. 
they had a two-part series on Juggalos, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, that's got comedian Kyle Kinane and Shane Torres. Kyle Kinane's probably my number one stand-up comedian favorite. I, uh, I saw him open for Pat Oswalt at the Comedy Fest. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I saw him here, and then I saw him with Brian Hossein in Chicago at C2E2, and that was really good, too. Yeah, uh, if I was say about my current podcast listening, uh, currently marathoning all the bonus episodes of BP Lettuce, doing that. Uh, also going through QAnon Anonymous, and, uh... Oh yeah, and uh God, what was what was the other one? I keep going on and off with it. Eh, it'll come back later. But Oh yeah. I love Mini Death Call too. I have to take breaks from it though, because uh Well, for people who don't know, Mini Death Cult is where the two hosts review social media for the most part. You know, surrounding major cultural events, like, say, Bud Light, for example. Okay, go into the trenches and take the psychic damage so you don't have to. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, I guess it's hard for me to take that social media shit these days as I'm getting older. So, uh, I enjoy the podcast greatly, but I have to take breaks from it, because some of it I just can't handle. Yeah, with, with them, they've kind of help me learn to not take this shit so you know so serious because people are just i mean kind of have to because they are crazy but at the same time it's a lot of them are just blowhards oh yeah well a meme came out of it too called alexander edward voice where like you uh-huh. you read something in alexander edward's voice yeah he, he screams it like it's in all caps yep yeah. <laughs> oh boy all right well, uh, Christopher, uh, we got a good hour in. We talked about your uh, latest fe- latest business venture. We talked about comics. We talked about podcasts. Yeah, I say uh, for the first time, you and I talking, we had a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I'm about to go to Home Depot and try to find a giant awning for the Swampy next weekend so I don't burn in the sun. Very nice. Well, uh, promo time, brother. Uh, just drop, just drop anything you would like to promote, any websites, any causes, you name it. Uh, yeah, sorry, I, uh, I've kind of been doing that all throughout the show. Well, it's always, a, it's always good to remind people, and we, of course, put the links in the show notes. Yeah, my, uh, I guess my store is thingstoastonish.com, um, and then you can follow me on Facebook under the same thing, too. Uh, I think I'm going to start tossing, like, sale codes and stuff on there to try to move some stuff a little bit more so I can start buying collections. I'll trade stuff if you see something on there. Um, but, yeah. All right, folks, and, uh, actually, this is, a besides talking to Chris here, this is also a special episode because, uh, the Garrett Schalke podcast is now being circulated through Red Circle because Spotify for podcasters sucks. And, uh, they basically demonetize me because I don't have a hundred followers on Spotify. So I, so I switched over. So yeah, uh, you can 
You know where you can find this podcast, at Shulky Podcast on Twitter. Got the Facebook page, got on Red Circle. Oh, and good news, I have another pro- another podcast I recently launched this past Sunday called uh, A Ride of My Own, which is a uh, podcast, a music podcast where I delve into my favorite folk punk, anti-folk, indie folk songs. Yeah, uh, monthly podcast, perhaps bi-weekly if I really feel up for it. Yeah, I'm proud of it so far. Check it out. It's uh, available for free streaming download off archive.org. All right, folks, uh, that's the end of this show. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming on. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. It was good talking to you, too. Yep, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out uh, Things to Astonish. And uh, here is the outro song. I think it's like... Ah!